Yeah. Questions to the Prime Minister, Gregory Campbell. Uh, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in the House, I shall further have further such meetings later today. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Many regions of the United Kingdom, such as Northern Ireland, found it challenging to compete when times were good. In the depths of the current recession, what additional assistance can he offer the devolved institutions to improve the everyday lives of millions of United Kingdom citizens? Mr. Speaker, I, I hope he would agree with me that the £600 million fiscal stimulus into Northern Ireland, uh, which allows people to have more money to spend, advances the public works programmes and gives more help for the unemployed, is the best way to deal with the problems that we have at the moment. In addition, there are 3,500 businesses in Northern Ireland uh, who have been able to defer their taxes uh, to enable them to have better cash flow. We will continue to do everything that we can to make sure that businesses and homeowners uh, and individuals who are facing doubts and uncertainty about their jobs uh, come through this difficult uh, recession. Uh, we will offer people, as we continue to do, real help now. Yeah. McDonald, the Prime Minister will have seen the distressing reports this morning in The Guardian about the trafficking of children arriving at Heathrow, taken into care and then being trafficked into prostitution and child labour. Uh, he's take, always taken a personal interest in the care and safety of children. Could I ask him to secure a report for the House? on the measures the government is taking with the local authority to tackle this problem and prevent this human suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Ch child trafficking is completely unacceptable and inhumane. Uh, and anything that we can do to stop child trafficking, we will. I will investigate uh, with the Home Secretary the reports that are in the newspaper this morning. We will do everything we can to protect these children. Uh, and we are leading internationally in asking other countries to help us ban the practice of trafficking children. We will do everything we can. David Cameron. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. A series of U-turns defeats in Parliament even when the government has a majority, and ministers, including cabinet ministers, openly questioning the authority of the Prime Minister. Does the Prime Minister agree that these are signs of a government in terminal decline? Yeah. Mr. Speaker, once again, he cannot ask questions about the economy or about swine flu or about the difficult decisions that we have got to take in the world. Once again, he reduces everything to personality. We are getting, we are getting on with the business of governing. If the Prime Minister got out and knocked on a few more doors, he'd realise that his leadership is the issue. He, he likes to talk about these issues of substance. His failure to reform welfare, his failure to deal with the deficit, his failure to run a united cabinet, they've all got two things in common. They're failures and they're his failures. So, let us take the state of his cabinet. This weekend, the Community Secretary wrote an article calling the government's performance lamentable. Given she is openly mocking the Prime Minister and his authority, what's she still doing in the Cabinet? Speaker, what would be unacceptable is if we followed the policies of the Conservative Party. What would be lamentable is we have adopted their policy for doing absolutely nothing. Once again, he has got nothing to say about the big issues of the day. Once again, he's got nothing to say about unemployment. Once again, he's got nothing to say about the help we're giving people for housing. Once again, he's got nothing to say about help with businesses. Are talking about U-turns, this is the man who promised to support the government through the economic crisis. And within a few days, he'd abandoned that promise with his U-turn. Yeah, yeah. I'm afraid 
I'm afraid this just won't wash. The communities, the community secretary, she's appeared. I'm glad she's still here. She didn't write an article about the NHS. She didn't write an article about unemployment. She didn't write an article about the recession. She wrote an article about his leadership and his failure of authority. Let, let, me, just, let me just read out what she said. YouTube if you want to. How much more mocking can you get than that? All too often we announce five-year plans or launch new documents, often with colossal price tags that are received by the public with incredulity at best and hostility at worst. Whatever the problems of the recession, she wrote, the answer is not more government documents or big speeches. Now, having just made a big speech, who on earth does the Prime Minister think she's referring to? Doesn't he realise his government simply cannot go on like this? Let me ask him again, why is she still in the Cabinet? What we are taking on the recession is action. We are helping the unemployed get back into work, opposed by the Conservatives. We are helping people with the mortgages, opposed by the Conservatives. We are helping people get help with their businesses for their cash flow, opposed by the Conservatives. We are going to give a September schools guarantee to every school leaver giving school that they will get work or training or educational support. And you know, Mr Speaker, it's also opposed by the Conservative. Let's talk about the real issues in government. It's making, it's making big decisions in difficult times, and he's simply not up to the task. The big issue in British politics today is the fact the man who's meant to be leading our country shows such appalling judgment. Let, let us, that is the reason he's losing his authority. Let us look at the string of misjudgments we've seen. The Prime Minister has made U-turns on Titan prisons, the internet database, MPs' expenses and that humiliating defeat on the Gurkhas. Why does he think he got so many judgments so badly wrong? Speaker. If he wants to talk about U-turns, the biggest U-turn is him supporting public spending and then now saying he will not match our public spending. The biggest U-turn on education is to support money for education and then now to say he's going to cut it. The biggest U-turn is to say he was supporting us on the police and is now cutting police expenditure. Let us remember he was the hug a hoodie. That was another of his big U-turn. Mr Speaker, compassionate conservatism, it's gone, gone and gone. I'm I'm sure that sounded just great in the bunker. (laughs) While the mobile phones were flying and the printers were flying round the room. The biggest U-turn of all is the Prime Minister who fought the last election accusing us of £35 billion of spending cuts on his own arithmetic has cut £85 billion off his own spending. If he is so confident of his arguments, if he's so confident of his judgments, if he thinks he's on the right side of these arguments, why doesn't he do what Margaret Thatcher did and Tony Blair did after four years of a parliament and call a general election? Mr Speaker, the reason... I am confident about what we are doing is there is nobody in the world supporting the policies of his party. Go to America, go to Germany, go to France, go to Italy. He's got no supporters in Europe because he's completely isolated because he wants to cut spending during a recession and everybody else recognises you cannot cut your way out of recession, you've got to invest your way out of recession. The Conservative Party are in the dark ages on policy, they've got to think again. 
The Prime Minister talks about isolated. He's isolated in his own cabinet. He's the only one who thinks he's any good. What is it about this Prime Minister and elections? He wouldn't fight an election to win the leadership of the Labour Party. He didn't fight an election to become Prime Minister. And he hasn't got the courage to go to the country now. Isn't the truth this, that what Britain needs is a strong Prime Minister with a united party capable of taking the long-term decisions? Instead, we've got a wasted year with an utterly busted government. No one doubts he might have come into politics for the right reasons, but isn't it clear he's just not up to the job? The public know it, his party know it, and now the Cabinet knows it. So why not do the last bold thing left to him? Call an election. Mr Speaker, I've listened to his six questions, and not one of them has been about policy. He's never raised the cause of the unemployed in Britain once. He's not mentioned mortgage holders and homeowners once. He's not mentioned small businesses once. He's not mentioned the state of the economy and what we can do to improve it once. He's not mentioned the public services once. He's not mentioned health and education once. He's completely out of his depth when it comes to the big issues in the country. Mr. Speaker. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Is my right honourable friend aware that in just a fortnight's time, in the Gloucester Docks, a £120 million designer outlet centre will be opening with the creation of over a thousand local jobs? But will he call on the Regional Development Agency to continue to invest in urban regeneration companies? They are creating jobs, they are creating investment in communities like mine, which is a real contrast with when the party opposite were in power. Mr Speaker, I'm grateful grateful to my honourable friend who fights very hard for the interests of his constituents, and more jobs are coming to his constituency as a result of what he's doing. He knows that the Conservative Party would abolish the Development Agency. We'll support it. We'll invest. They would cut. That's the dividing line between the parties. Speaker, yesterday the Prime Minister Minister gave a speech on education and young people. This was his big chance to show that he still had some big ideas for the country, to explain why one in three 11-year-olds still still can't read or write properly, to explain why we have more young people in prison, in debt, on antidepressants than ever before, why under his government government we have the unhappiest children in a developed world and a care system in crisis. So how is a bit of tinkering with the school's complaints procedure going to fix any of that? Mr Speaker, let's deal with his first point about children and reading. There are far more and a far higher percentage of children able to read and write at 11 as a result of the decisions that we've taken as a government. There are 30,000 children now getting personal tuition to be able to read. Another 30,000 are getting personal tuition to be able to write. No government has invested more in reading, literacy and counting for children. And we have doubled the expenditure we have made on the education of every child over these last 10 years. Now, of course, there is a great deal more to do. And, of course, we are worried about instances of children in care where there has to be reform. But we have doubled the investment in education over 10 years. It couldn't have happened under a Liberal or Conservative government. Speaker, there comes a point when stubbornness isn't leadership, it's stupidity. At least I say it to his face. At least I say it to his face. You say it behind his back. Because under this government for the last 12 years, 
This government has vilified and criminalised young people, abandoned a whole generation, and all he can do is spin a vacuous speech to keep his own party off his own back. Isn't it now obvious that this Prime Minister doesn't really care about what's right for the country? All he really cares about is saving his own skin. Mr Speaker, I'm sorry he prepares his answer to the second question before before he gets the answer from my question. The truth is that we are doing more to help children realise the potential than ever before. Sure Start did not exist until there was a Labour government. Nursery Education to Three did not exist until there was a Labour government. All the programmes that have doubled expenditure and raised standards in primary school did not exist until there was a Labour government. And of course we've got more to do, but it would be better if he supported us in doing the right things than he attacked us for what we are doing when we are doing the right things. Kevin Barron. Could I say to my uh, right honourable friend uh, that despite the current state of the economy, that the Rother Valley uh, has still... 3,000 less people unemployed than it had in 1997. Could I encourage him to keep up this help and assistance for areas that need it and forget about the blustering from the opposition front benches? Mr Speaker, my friend is absolutely right. We are doing everything that we can, both to protect jobs and to help people into jobs. There are 350,000 people who are receiving tax credits who who did not receive them before to make up for short time that they are having to undergo at work. And we are trying to help people who are unemployed to get back to work as quickly as possible, given that there are nearly half a million vacancies in the economy. What would not work is doing absolutely nothing and failing to help the unemployed. And I have to tell them that in the budget, the Chancellor was given an estimate that if we had refused to take action, half a million more people would either be facing unemployment or would be unemployed. That is the difference between Conservative policies and Labour. Mr Speaker, my constituents who have worked hard and saved hard now feel betrayed because the value of their savings has slumped and because interest rates have plunged close to zero. And indeed, the banks that their taxes have helped to bail out are the very ones now offering them virtually nothing for their savings. So what message does the Prime Minister have to my constituents who now wonder why they bothered to save? Mr Speaker, as he knows, the worst thing that could happen to savers is if you had rampant inflation that wiped out the values of those savings and we have kept inflation low during the last 11 and 12 years. The second thing that we've tried to do in the budget, and particularly for elderly savers, is increase the value of the money that they can invest in their individual savings account, and soon that will be £10,000 a year. So we are aware that low interest rates put additional pressures on savers. We have taken action in the budget to help them, and I hope he will support that. David Cheetah. Speaker, in my constituency of Bury North today, we have the biggest... (laughs) town centre redevelopment in the northwest of England, including new shopping centre, hotel, new office block, two primary care centres and a new police station. The opposition's <coughs> spending plans would cut 200 offices from Greater Manchester Police. What would be the point of a new police station with that level of spending cuts? My, my honourable friend makes a point, and every area where people are looking at the numbers of police that are going to be on the beat, or the numbers of teachers who are going to be in schools, or the number of classroom assistants, they have got to compare the spending policies of our party with the spending policies of other parties. 
and it's, absolute, it's absolutely clear that thousands of police would lose their jobs as a result of the policies of the party opposite. It is also clear that spending on regeneration would be brought to a halt by the policies of the party opposite. People do face a choice. We've got to invest our way out of recession, as America and other European countries are doing, and not cut our way out of recession. That is the 1930s route. We're taking the modern way out of recession. What does the Prime Minister intend to do about the important issue of bullying in the workplace, given the reliable reports of a senior Whitehall boss throwing around mobile phones and printers and swearing at switchboard operators? Mr Speaker, any complaints are dealt with in the usual manner. gentlemen ask his question, Michael Connolly. I have always, I have always recommended the Prime Minister to treat everything as a joke from the opposition. Um, the Prime Minister will recall meeting myself, the member for Paisley and Renfrew North, and the member for East Lothian, to ar- hear our arguments against the use of service charges and tips to pay the minimum wage. What is the government now going to do about that scandalous practice? In fact, to end that scandalous practice, which is harming millions of people in this country. Mr Speaker, last uh, month marked 10 years of the national minimum wage, which I'm proud to say was introduced by this government and has helped millions of workers over these years. And there has been an issue about uh, tipping, and consumers, people who are buying goods, leave their tips in good faith, expecting that these tips will go to the workers themselves. Our public consultation, which we promised, has shown that consumers and workers and businesses support a change and that would mean that tips would be in addition to the national minimum wage and I believe that that is the right policy and that is why we will implement a change in the policy. Uh, Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister will be aware that twice twice as many people have signed the online petition of number 10 calling for his resignation than actually voted for him at the last general election. <laughs> what is going to be his response to them? Mr Speaker, I've now listened to the Tory backbenchers for the last 20 minutes and not one of them has asked a serious question about policy. They should be ashamed of the way they're treating the House of Commons. Thank you, Mr Speaker. This weekend I witnessed the great escape of Brighton and Hove Albion securing their place in the First Division. Their next goal of championship football is boosted by construction underway at Falmer Community Stadium, which will eventually provide 66 apprenticeships, not mentioning those uh, involved in building it. A stark contrast to Brighton and Hove City Council. Uh, I think that the Prime Minister will have an answer. Prime Minister... Mr Speaker, let me too congratulate Brighton on their success. I think all the House will want to join uh, the team, and I saw some of the photographs of the celebrations. Uh, I understand that Brighton has delivered nearly 4,000 Skills for Life achievements, and that is helping young people. I believe that the Learning and Skills Council has provided Brighton and uh, uh, Albion football in the community scheme with funding. We will continue to support that. Football clubs that are at the centre of their communities are good for every community, and Brighton has proved exactly that. 
it not only brings community support, it also brings football success. Mr Speaker, uh, two years ago the Prime Minister ruled out holding an immediate uh, general election on the grounds that he, uh, he needed time to set out his vision. Could he tell us how this epic project is proceeding before the British people and he are to be put out of their collective misery? Has any question time exposed the hollowness of the Conservative Party more than what we have seen today? We are dealing with an international financial recession. We are dealing with a health epidemic that we have got to deal with in the most sensitive way. We are dealing with problems that arise from mortgages and employment and businesses. And I am ashamed that not one Conservative can even raise a question about these issues. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I'm sure my right honourable friend would agree that it's absolutely vital to retain what we have left of British manufacturing. In, in recent days, there has, been, there has been speculation about the future of the General Motors plants in, in Britain, in Ellesmere Port and in Luton. Will my right honourable friend undertake to do everything possible and everything necessary to make sure that those plants stay open and we keep those jobs in Britain? Yeah, Mr Speaker, uh, we are in regular touch with every one of the major car companies in Britain. As, as he knows, there are proposals arising from Fiat in relation to Chrysler and in relation to General Motors that are being discussed. There is another Canadian uh, bidder looking at uh, trying to move into Europe. There are a number of issues that have got to be discussed in relation to these offers. We are determined to protect our Ellesmere port and uh, Luton operations of General Motors. We are also determined to help uh, Jaguar Land Rover, all the other companies that exist in our country, Honda, Toyota, Nissan, uh, and we are determined, as you know, to help LDV as we have done, uh, to give them a loan that enables the company to complete due diligence on a new bid that has been made for them. Where we have, seen, where we have had requests, we have been prepared to consider and in many cases take the action that is necessary. Thank you, Mr Speaker. On another serious policy issue, um, given the Prime Minister's commitment to greater public uh, parliamentary scrutiny, uh, will the Prime Minister confirm today that there will be a full parliamentary debate and vote before the next stage of the Trident programme. Yeah, yeah. Mr Speaker, there are, there are regular parliamentary debates on, the, on these issues. There is a defence debate that takes place uh, every year. The House of Commons came to, came to a view on this issue, and people are perfectly free to raise this on the floor of the House, but defence debates happen regularly and continue to do so. Jim Sheridan. Mr Speaker, my right honourable friend will be well aware of the difficulties facing uh, employers and employees in the construction industry, problems that have been further compounded by the activities of illegal gangmasters. Would he therefore agree to meet me and other like-minded colleagues to talk through the issues facing uh, illegal gangmasters in the construction industry? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm very happy to do, to, do so. This is, this is an issue that concerns both me uh, and anybody who looks at the performance of the construction industry. We are also, as I said last week, looking at the operation of illegal blacklists in the construction industry. That is an unacceptable practice. Can the Prime Minister tell me whether the Community Secretary's complaints about his government's failures were dealt with in the usual way? <laughs> Mr Speaker, if, if he were asking about how we were regenerating the areas in which he is representing... If he were asking us about the housing policy that the Community Secretary is responsible, if he were asking about the funding of local government, it would be a serious question. But unfortunately, even before the local council elections, the Conservatives can't ask anything about local government. And of course, they're prohibited by the policy from asking anything before the European elections about Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. 
Mr Speaker, when, when the government is looking at allocating the very welcome additional £300 million made up to be made available to further education colleges, will the Prime Minister look especially at those schemes which are directly linked to regeneration projects, such as the one in Blackpool, where, where a site has already been cleared in the town centre for our excellent college to move into and to spearhead the regeneration of the town? Uh, Mr. Mr. Speaker, I, I know very well about the issues in Blackpool and about the importance of uh, learning education and training and about the big plans that exist in Blackpool to extend further education. Can I say we put aside an extra $300 million of capital funding for further education uh, colleges. We're now working with the LSE to deliver swift resolution to these issues. Since 2001, 700 projects at 300 colleges have been funded. I have to say in 1997 there was not a penny going to investment in further education colleges and over this spending period as a result of the announcements in the budget we'll be spending 2.6 billion and I hope our colleges will benefit. Ian Duncan Smith. Speaker, we um, in this House owe a debt of gratitude to the Gurkhas who have served this country through uh, oars going back over a number of hundred years. Does the Prime Minister notice that last week the whole House united to reject the present government's position, including a hundred of his colleagues. It looks like the government is beginning to say that they don't feel bound by that vote. Could the Prime Minister now tell the House whether his government will be bound by the terms of that vote last week? Yeah. Mr Speaker, let us remember we are the first government that has given justice to the Gurkhas. We, we are the first government that allowed Gurkhas right of settlement in the United Kingdom. We are the first government that gave Gurkhas equal pensions and equal pay. And we are the first government to double the pension of Gurkhas who stay in Nepal. Now, we will listen to the voice of the House as it was expressed last Wednesday. We are speeding up the 1,500 applications and hope to have them completed by the end of May. We are looking at the five judicial reviews as a matter of urgency and will complete this work very soon. And we will come back to the House with a statement. I've always said we wanted to do this stage by stage. We will come back to the House with a statement. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Would the Prime Minister agree with me, based on what I heard again last night at a packed meeting, of the serious experiences of failings that people have had at Stafford Hospital, and which last night they alleged are continuing, that there is an urgent need for a change of culture stronger public and patient involvement and a way of resolving and closing the issues for grieving relatives, including an inquiry that answers all of their questions. Uh, Mr Speaker, it, 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 it pains us all to have to look at the appalling failures that happened at uh, Stafford Hospital. But I hope he will agree that since uh, they have been exposed, uh, swift and decisive action has been taken locally. And this includes the opportunity for anyone concerned about care they or a loved one received at Stafford Hospital can seek an independent clinical review. Now, a report was done last week that showed there had been significant improvements at Stafford. Recommendations in these reports uh, will support the, Stafford at, the staff at Stafford Hospital. Extra nurses have been employed and experienced assistance of Director of Nursing has been brought in. We are boosting the frontline for staff. 
We are further improving patient care as a, as, a part, as a part of a package of measures. The Healthcare Commission has already conducted a full investigation and produced a detailed report laying bare the, bare the failures, but I can say that anyone concerned about care of any loved one will have an independent clinical review. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. A million people across the northwest of England worked to raise the £6 million that the Christie Hospital stands to lose in the Icelandic bank, Kaupthing. Why is he now the one person standing in the way of compensation? Mr. Speaker, I have met the, the nurses at Christie's Hospital. Uh, when, when I was in the North. I've also um, had questions and answered questions in this House of Commons about it and written many letters to people because I am worried about the situation too. The fact is we are not the regulatory authority. Uh, the fact is there are many, many more people who were regulated, uh, who, had, who had finances and institutions regulated by these Atlantic authorities. The first responsibility is for the Atlantic authorities, authorities to pay up uh, and that is why we are in negotiations with the IMF and other organisations about the uh, rate at which uh, Iceland can repay uh, these uh, losses that they are responsible for. However, we have also agreed we will look at the particular case of uh, Christie's and see what we can do uh, to understand how we can meet their needs. But he has to accept, and we have to accept the facts, uh, that there are many more people affected by the uh, Icelandic regulatory authority and have lost money as a result of that, and that would mean that there would be certain precedents that would be set. We have got to look at it in the round and will do so. And Snellgrove. Um, can I tell my right honourable friend that local people are very concerned about Swindon Borough Council's uh, park and ride service cuts and cuts of up to four branch libraries, despite over £400,000 worth of extra funding from the government. Is this not a warning of Tory public service cuts and Mr Speaker, you don't have to look in a crystal ball. You look at every Tory authority around the country who are cutting back on public services, obeying the orders of the Conservative leadership that cuts in public services come before the investment they need. That will be one of the issues that people will be talking about in the next few weeks because it affects real lives.